0: I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed, um, Jace, I mentioned this uh, in my sermon last Sunday when I preached that you know you're hearing all this stuff about illness, you know, because oh, it's worse than ever. We got RSV is out of control. We got you know return of COVID, a new strain of that. We got the flu, whatever it is. Flu number three is one of the worst it's ever been, and so I'm hearing all these different things, and so they describe what it is, and, and so I mentioned to our church, I said, in Louisiana, we just call that Happy New Year. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> who who doesn't live with respiratory issues in Louisiana? So Jay's and I have been sick uh, for a, a while now, and it's but it's just it happens every year, right? This time you get the sneezing, the sore throat, the sinus infection. Kicks in, Jay. We've been talking about. It. So I walked in the other day. It was kind of funny because we have a like some medical people that are around us. Because we got Nurse Man, you know, and he's a nurse practitioner, and he's great. He's great to have around. Very helpful. You got Burley, who's a nurse. Uh, among his many talents, he's also a nurse, and so you know he he knows a few things. So so I walked in over at Dad's after the podcast last week, and Nurse Man is there. And, uh, so dad's in the kitchen and he's dealing with him because dad has some, you know, has to get blood every once in a while. So nurse man is on the scene. Then you got, uh, Ann. she's like, uh, when you finish there, can you come over here? Cause I got a spot here on my elbow that needs to be looked at. And then mom is in her chair and she says, well, no, he's got to see me first. Because my wound is care has blah blah blah, and so I looked up at uh, Chad. And I was like, Chad, are we doing house calls now? <laughs> is, <laughs> is is that where we're at? Because I look, I feel like I just walked into a trauma center, and he's running around trying to take care of all these old people. So, I guess, Dad, it's a good thing that yeah. you have somebody like that around. Yeah,
1: really.
2: No, I actually <laughs> think they can have their own show. We'll, I'll, yeah. I'll send Maddie two pictures of Chad, the nurse man. And Burley, the nurse man, the other nurse man—I mean, they could have a show. Scary nurses, Nurses, scary nurses, scary looking nurses. Very scary. I mean, I I just don't see how he keeps the job because I'm like, if you're dealing with patients, and you walked in, especially when medication is involved, you would think he was the angel of death. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I got a medical professional here. I'm going to yeah. send you a picture of this man, and I guarantee you, because he did get fired from one place because he wouldn't shave his beard. They 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 were concerned, the same concern I, I had. I was like, because uh, Burley does have a really calming presence about him. I mean, because you can see it because he's a nurse. Yeah. but. I just don't see how a person in a bed who had experienced a surgery <laughs> could get past the first impression. It, it, if he walked in a
0: room, you would just ah ah,
2: yeah. ah. <laughs> yeah. and, or or, uh,
0: or just, or just think, just you just came out of anesthesia, you open your eyes. You've you've had surgery, and, and you standing look over. You he's standing over you. <laughs> you're like, oh no, I went to hell. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you would. You would I mean, first of the, all,
2: he's six five. What two fifty?
1: Two
0: sixty,
3: two seventy. Two sixty. He's a beast of a he's man. He's a beast of a man. He's lost weight. But he's still a beast and he's like, and he's not like fat. I mean, he's just big. He's, he's solid. He's big. Huge yeah, he's,
0: meat hook hands. Yeah,
3: just, I mean, solid yeah. rock. And,
2: and Chad is not a little fella. He's got the, the full beard. I
3: yeah, mean, but he better, looks but he only looks, compared he's, he's a, to Burley. I would be – it's scary if you woke up. I mean, from- Burley looks like he could have been like a defensive
0: lineman. Oh, he was. He was a linebacker at OU for a year. Oh, so, was he really? Yeah, so so you'll appreciate this. So I have to go in every six months, uh, thanks to dad, uh, genetics dad, with the prostate issues. And I have to go in every six months and get a checkup because my – you know, the numbers are this. This is too big. This is supposed to be that. This, You know, all this stuff I don't even know. And so I have to get checked, uh, and men and my age will know what I what that entails. And the first time I went in does, there to get does it tell you singing Moon River? It does, and and here's what's bad about that. So I had met my urologist by going in with Dad when he had some prostate issues, and this I'm third generation prostate yeah. issues. And so you know I'm expecting it to be this doctor uh, that works on us. Well, they got a PA now. It's so a little blonde headed girl. She's real nice and sweet, but I'm thinking, okay, the last of my dignity is now out the window because That's she's it. she's going to check my prostate. But I, so and it's always awkward because you come in. It's like, how are you feeling? Pretty good. What about this? What about that? We're talking. And Then we all know what's going to happen at the end of this. It's just like the most you know terrible thing you know to be done, and so. She, so I walk in. I'm trying to kind of break the ice. This just happened last week. And I said, well, her name is Hannah. I said, well, Hannah, it's, all, it's always good for me to be here. You know how much I love these sessions we have together, and, uh, you know, get to come in. And, and you have to step over my dignity before, you know, time begins. she's laughing. You know, I said, but I want to just tell you something. I'm just I want to let you know that I am great. She knows, you know, I'm, I'm a preacher. I said, I just I prayed this morning. I am grateful to God. That I have you to do this exam and not a friend of mine named Burley uh, who who is a who is a nurse <laughs> <laughs> with big <laughs> oven mint hands and sausage fingers. Oh
3: my gosh. <laughs> what a week. So
0: that literally happened this week. So we had this conversation. So Burley's name did come up and she laughed. She thought that was hilarious. And um, but anyway. That's that's, everything, that's everything
3: checked out. or you I mean you good? Well, good oh, go. you know,
0: so far so good. So we'll see what happens. Okay, but you know, it's a yeah, it's a well, one I got yeah those aging things. Zach, you're getting there. You know, Four you just
3: six. I need. I mean, I'm probably. I think I should have already had a colonoscopy, and I got to get all that going.
0: Well, the bottom line is, it's really kind of crazy to wind up with prostate cancer or colon cancer because if you just get it checked and caught early, you can survive those pretty easily. So I definitely want to encourage guys. I know it's not pleasant. Yeah. It's not for me either. But at the same time, it's kind of crazy that you cut off 20 years. You don't have to if you yeah, wind up true. with prostate cancer. I can't
3: so, wait to see the analytics on this episode to see how many people have <laughs> stayed with us this long.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've either run them off or they're running telling people, you got to come <laughs> hear this. This is really something, which is funny. Well, you know, you I told you that you're now a patriarch yeah. because you married off one of your kids. And so these are the sort of issues that patriarchs have. That's just part of what goes with the territory. And it's part of it. You so, know. Jace, you're doing some research. What are you doing there? You I'm like sending you
2: Maddie the scariest oh, okay. pictures in my phone of Burley.
3: And I'm looking. You will not believe what this guy looks like and again just i mean burley listens to the podcast so burley i love you brother and you you just remember the one that's being hard on you it's not me it's always interesting
1: that if your nickname is burley
0: which he got from you what's he got
1: from you (laughs) phil i know that that's what i was reminding y'all of
0: (laughs) and you called his
1: says burley
0: and you called his dad Big Boy yep. because his dad was an all American nose guard at the University of Oklahoma, yep. won a couple of national championships there. And and so obviously the genetics in this family, these are these are large men. But I will say this, since we're since we're bragging on Burley a little bit. Uh, and Doyle, who's his dad who's who's waiting on the resurrection he's already crossed over the these men are lovers of Jesus they are and Doyle was so kind to me when I was young and just starting out in ministry and really helped me a lot and uh, I miss him terribly and so I'm glad I get to be friends with Burley because you know his dad was really, really special to me and and Burley's a great man of God as well. he's an elder uh, at a church up in Colorado, so we give him a hard time, but you, you've realized from listening to this podcast, if we don't get a hard time, then we really don't care about you that much. So
1: he's on the security part of, uh, my life on Sunday mornings. He's part of the security
3: team.
0: He is. He's, he's, your, he's your nurse. He's your bodyguard. He's yep. your, your friend, your yeah. hunting
3: partner. He's yeah. Uh, that is true. Al. You guys tend to rib the people that you love. I mean, when I, when you, before we started this podcast, I didn't have my camera or mic on, but I could hear y'all behind my back. You and Jace primarily, <laughs> and y'all were, y'all were, uh, yeah, you ripping you. You're ripping me, yeah, my, yeah. But I, I mean, I took it as, hey, they love me. That that's that's oh. endearing. It's their love language.
2: Exactly. Well, look, when you're washing clothes and your daughter who just got married is living in your house
0: after <laughs> a week. In his studio.
2: Yeah, I was just saying,
3: <laughs> it's time for a meeting.
0: Yeah. Well, they're gone now, so no, we kicked them out. Right. Well, they've, good been, job. They've,
3: been, they've been evicted.
0: They can't stay long. There's that because Lisa and I slept on that bed that's in that apartment up there, and that yeah. thing was so hard on my back. Nobody can stay on that but one night. You, you don't gotta like get a, firm,
3: a. I like a firm mattress. Oh um,
0: my! Well, I know you do. It's like I slept on a on a pine box. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that bad. <laughs>
3: it wasn't it wasn't a helix mattress it was problem. not a
0: helix mattress we got to yeah. talk to the helix people and get you something better in there yeah all right jace you got anything else before we get back into our bible study no i, I thought you were doing crack research over there the whole time you've a, been sending a picture
2: yeah i've been i was trying to find a picture of chab you know guys aren't like yeah. females we don't take pictures of each other and you know share them all the time so i cannot find a picture of him but i'll find one somewhere and it, who knows this may maybe. start a new show because i i really <laughs> think that show would work just call it the
0: nurse men yeah
2: yeah and the whole plot of the show is how long will they last before they get fired because of the way they look because <laughs> Bernie well, wouldn't do it he said you know they told me i needed to shave my beard or or they were going to fire me and i said what are you going to do and he's like, I'm going to try to find somewhere else to work. I said, well, I tried to do the facial profiling. I said, some you're some a victim of, their, of facial some profiling. Some of the people
1: that come there the, that have ailments, when when they get out of hand, screaming, hollering, whatever. Well, they call
2: him. Yeah, they come in. They call him. That, Chad did say that. He said, there's a place in the medical world for our skill set, which is like when people come in whacked out on drugs or
0: whatever, that's when they call Burley. But you know so. what's interesting about about Chad, about nurse, nurse Man 1, I guess we'll call him, uh, he used to be at the major hospitals there in town, but he's now kind of landed at this little tiny country hospital that actually was where Willie was born uh, up in Bernice, a little small town which is close to where we grew up in Junction City and that's where he's at now and so it's funny we all have gone over to bernice you know so so we can you know when we have medical needs well he, he's
3: a nurse practitioner right
0: yeah I mean, yeah. yeah yeah he can he, he's which now i haven't seen a doctor in years all i see are nurse practitioners and pa and physicians assistants that's the way the m- medical care is going these days you hardly ever see a doctor anymore you know for yeah. your ailments you usually see somebody in their office so just kind of the way it goes so our good friends at uh, Samaritan Ministries are all about helping out with uh, unexpected medical bills. Jay, do you know anything about that?
2: Well, wouldn't you know it, today, behind the cameras, I have a guest who, he's the director at the hospital where Mia frequently visits, and so I just asked him, because I knew this question was going to come up about Samaritan Ministry. so I said, how many Unexpected medical bills are there in your field, and he went, "Oh my!" I said, "That's all I need to know." <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and that's the guy that really is seeing it every single day, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so obviously it happens to all of us, and um, you know we we're looking at ways to try to be able to help each other do better, and that's what Samaritan Ministries does. Uh, they're basically a community of Christians. Uh, that have come together. It's not just about the financial help, but it's also about just the spiritual help. So a medical need comes up. uh, Fellow members are going to send money directly to you to help you pay your medical bills. You'll do the same for them. Also, you'll be praying and encouraging for these folks as well. Uh, There's no network which puts you in control of your family's health care. You know what's best, so you get to choose the doctors, hospitals, treatments that they have. Uh, You can join today. Uh, or you can sign up and then choose what month you want to start. It's a biblical solution to health care where we bear one another's burdens. It's also much more affordable. And Lisa and I can attest to that because we have signed up ourselves. So whatever your unexpected uh, medical need is, the diagnosis, a broken bone or some other emergency, you'll find comfort knowing that you're connected uh, to over 80,000 Christian households across the nation who stand ready to care for one another spiritually. And financially. So become part of this community today at org slash unashamed. That's SamaritanMinistries.org slash unashamed. All right, y'all ready to get back to Luke? Let's do it. Uh, we left off talking about uh, Judas uh, in the last podcast. And uh, for those of you who are overtime subscribers, you know, we kind of got into his character in our overtime segment because we've been talking about this idea of evil and obviously it was in their midst. I mean, one of the 12 was the one that would lead to the demise, at least from the worldly view. Jesus really knew the plan all along and knew it had to happen the way it happened. But the question comes up, you know, how does, how do how do you deal with this evil that's right in your midst because obviously the whole time Judas is a part of the 12, there's something about his character that's opened itself up for Satan to use him the way that he did. And Satan thought he was eliminating Jesus's impact. What Satan didn't know was the plan of God was so big that what he was actually plotting his own demise, um, with the death of Jesus. Cause let's face it. Once we remove the fear of death, Jesus death, burial and resurrection. That's it. Satan has no more hold over anybody that puts their trust in Jesus. I so did. this is a Yeah, I mean, this is such a, you know, huge moment, um, that, that we're seeing here and the idea here, but I feel like we probably should talk a little bit more about evil and kind of how it plays itself out in the lives of people. Um, and how you have to not, Hate the person, but what's what behind it? Because uh, jace you brought that up in in our overtime segment. That you know, it's ultimately it's the evil one that's behind it, but it's us that gives in to his, you know, temptations and his advances. And then, of course, the yeah. deeper we get into it, the worse it gets.
2: Yeah, I think you see it with just everybody having. I mean, I got four kids that came up, and there's always a moment. It's usually the attitude where you're like, something has happened. And, uh, you know, even in our family today, and you remember back when you were a teenager, it's just hard to put a number on what age a person reaches where it just seems like the innocence is gone. But it usually starts, you know, somewhere during puberty in there, and all of a sudden, they just think they know everything.
1: Yep. And I, mm-hmm. I
2: was the same way. I was I remember uh you know getting a bumper sticker that I got threatened to get my butt torn up, but I didn't. And I put it up in my room, which was a community room, Al, you remember that. Oh yeah. Uh, and do you remember what the bumper sticker said? I was so proud I of this. It said, I'm surrounded by idiots. <laughs> Yeah. And my mom threw a fit about that. About That's as bad. much as oh. when Al brought home a po- full size poster of Wonder <laughs> Woman, which she got a <laughs> blue magic, <marker. laughs> yeah, got a magic marker and made a a fashion adjustment to the. <laughs> She, yeah. tur-
0: she turned her bloomers into shorts, you know. She yeah. had to get them down to mid-thigh. And, and there was no cleavage
2: after she was finished. It was just yeah. hilarious. But she was mad about that bumper sticker. I remember sitting me down. I was like, why would you put this up? Because we're your family. i like, I stand by it.
0: <laughs> and it wasn't you were you were right i mean the what's sad is you were right no, the but took- i
2: was at that age you know i mean i was about 14 i mean which <laughs> yep. by the end of the year i came to the lord but i'm gonna tell you it was a tough year i just i just thought i, I don't know what happened and and what i'm trying to explain is what i'm saying we all go through that it seems to start somewhere in there. Our independence it happens. Yep. I mean, I'm involved in a situation right now with a teenager, not, you know, in my immediate family, but it's the same thing. And it, it revolves around this, which now you have the social media craze, and you're like, all you have to do is a quick search on their phone, and all of a sudden you're like, what in the world? has happened to my child. And I think noticing that transition, uh, you know, as parents, I mean, I I realize this is a different context, but I just think the older we get, the more sneaky we become, and so does the evil one and all these powers that we're at at force with.
0: Yeah. Well, it's an excellent point, Jay, because what's happened is it's the same old sins that have always been around but now the amplification is so much more, and then the consequences and the results can be devastating so much faster. I mean, you know, I went through a, a whole process, and that was part of your process, Jace, because we went through it together. But you watch me go off the deep end, your older brother, in that same teenage segment. Well, then that impacts you, too. I mean, you, you get bumper stickers, you're surrounded by idiots when you watch an idiot older brother. Which you know, was a lot. Back.
2: Yeah, we've, we've documented that. My biggest problem was self-righteousness. You know, people respond different ways. And there's a reason that older brother is in that Luke 15. Yep. But yeah. But one of the main reasons I was so bitter is because I would tell on you to my parents, Phil and Kay. And, but Al was so sneaky because he was older and smart. He's five years older than me.
0: Yeah.
2: And he would get out of this stuff, and it would just infuriate me. That I, I was like, I'm trying to help the guy. And he, if you uh, all not he's, believe he's, in me, <laughs> then he would yeah. send out his buddies to torture me in various ways. Because
0: if <laughs> you were, you a, were I learned my henchman,
3: yeah, I learned Al was, it Al, Al was a made man. He was a made man and he That's had this, right. he had his people. Al, still, you're still a little bit slippery. I, I've always noticed I'd never find anyone who has a grudge against Al. I mean, he's he, everybody loves Al.
0: Well, you're right. But at least now finally it's turned for good. But, but back to the situation that how this compares to what we're talking about is you, you, all of us have character flaws. True. And, but they, they begin to show themselves when you begin to be a person that then has to wrestle with what you know about yourself. It's not what others see in you. It's by what you see inside yourself, you know, what you're struggling with. Mm -hmm. And, Just like Judas got to the point, I'm calling it the point of no return, and that's in his mind. I mean, I don't think there is a place like that from God's perspective because you can always repent and do the right thing. But we all get to some place where we want to check out if if we allow it to go that far. And I did that. And, Zach, you did that to a certain degree. I mean, like, I I left. I checked out. I was like, no, I'm leaving everything I know that's right to go and immerse myself in everything I know that is wrong.
3: Yeah. And once
0: I did that, it was a miserable existence. It was awful. It was terrible. But you, you made a, you made a good point when I, I said, you're still slippery because
3: like it, you, you have turned it for good, which I think is the, int- the here's the thing about sin or an evil or sin, you know, sin defined is, is to miss the mark. And so it's the idea that there's a, there's a mark that we're aiming towards. And I, so I, for me, it's been very helpful to understand sin as a disordered desire or uh, um, a desire that's not indexed at the right place. And so you take your I've said this a, a ton in my life with my kids and people I've worked with that I'm almost always if you if you look at someone's biggest flaw or character flaw, it's probably actually if you could morph it just a little bit, it's probably a, 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 it's, it's a perverted version of their greatest strength. And so, you know, yours, it was, is that you're, you're likable, you're, um, you can gain people's trust. I mean, and, believable. And it, that's right. Believable. And so when you are in your in living in sin, I mean, that it manifests itself in hiding and lies and manipulation. But then when God redeemed you and, and it, it looks like, it looks like an incredible ministry. And so I think that that's the, so it's not necessarily, I said this la- last night at our house church, it's not that God's like saying, kill your desire. You know what? What God's saying is: is rightly order your desire, point it at its proper end, index your heart toward Him, and that is what it is, is. And and that's why the the nature of evil itself. We talked about this, I think maybe in the overtime or last episode. It it always disappoints you. It always leaves you disappointed because it never delivers on its promise. And the reason why is because it's pointed at something that it can never that can never deliver. But when you take that desire. And you point it back to its proper end, which is God. Then it always delivers, which is really kind of what that verse that Jace read earlier about sin uh, enticing us—each one is dragged away and enticed by his own evil desires. Where was that at, Jace? James one. James, James one. one. Um, but but it, but it, you notice how the the the, the it, it's rooting sin in desire, and so you're dragged away and enticed by your own evil desire, and then there's that cascade in that verse that he read that happens that there's the there's the evil desire that drives you away there's the there, there's a conception uh there in when it was full blown it gives birth to death and that's the end of it but i think it's it is worthy of note that sin always leads to death it never delivers and faithfulness always leads to life and always delivers it's just maybe not in the the, the paradigm that, that you want to control it in
2: Well, what's what's I think significant is, you know, when we read all about we got into this idea about kind of the theology in Luke 21, where we believe that he was predicting the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. And we spent six podcasts on it, but we only spent a couple minutes when he got to the end of that, which I know was scary because he was talking about rumors of wars and and your whole world is going to be. Turned upside down. But when he got to the end, he said, Be careful in thirty-four of twenty-one, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Which is why I read that text about in in Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 when he's like You know, on the other side of this, he was like, gently instruct those who oppose you so they may can escape this trap uh, because the evil one has taken them captive. And I read in the overtime about, you know, false apostles had, there was two things in there about being deceitful and the evil one himself masquerading as an angel of light. And that's why it's so difficult. And I brought up the teenagers, you know, because this was an interesting story about this. We're helping a teenager now. Well my wife called our daughter and was just like what would you tell you know this person because we remember you know I remember the time with my every one of my kids when they became a teenager it was it just seemed impossible for a while and what was interesting is my daughter she was like the first thing she said is you have to keep talking to them which in the moment in her life every time we would talk to her She would do everything in her power to keep that from happening. (laughs) As in, oh, I thought we were going to get together some other time. You know, it was. But then here she is now living a godly life saying, you must keep the confrontation and the communication going. We're not mad at you. We love you. But this is disappointing. This is wrong. These were her words, not mine. And so. You know, Missy hung up the phone. She got all teary-eyed. She's like, that's the last thing I thought she was going to say. Because she thought back to the times we were talking about to her, seeming like, well, this is not working. And so it must be confronted. But it made me think of that passage in 1 Corinthians 10, because, you know, before the, you know, when you talk about the Passover and what happened for God to liberate the Israelites from captivity, Paul brings that up. And, you know, the one of the most famous verses read in the Bible is that 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, where it says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, which kind of goes into the James 1. God doesn't yeah. tempt anyone. You're you're dragged away by your own evil desire, but when you are tempted, He will always provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And Judas is included in that, That's and right. and Peter the same way. Well, you know, Peter took it with the conversation when Jesus that you brought up, Phil, in the overtime about when He asked him three times, "Do you love me?" I mean, he he could have got mad, which he did. He he was agitated, yep. But he took it, and you eventually saw his life, and you see Judas respond completely,
1: completely different when he found out. And it at when he said, "You know, I love you." Since uh, uh, we have Jesus called a priest in Hebrews chapter ten verse eleven, about verse twelve, when this priest had offered for all time, if if young people understood this one sacrifice for sins, his death on the cross. He sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because, and a lot of young people especially have a hard time, but once they realize this little statement in verse 14, it'll change them. Because by one sacrifice, he, Jesus, has made perfect, made perfect forever those who are being made made holy. It's a process of becoming more holier and holier. But You can get them to understand, I'm free of sin. It's gone. Jesus took it away. They do a lot better than saying, get up at, you know, you you, them. you can't whip them up. They've got to do it by saying, you mean yeah. nothing I do wrong is counted against me now that I'm in Jesus? I said, that's correct.
2: I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's what I was going to say. I think the biggest opponent to us confronting people in the church is that bumper sticker that I brought up where I'm surrounded by idiots. But every time I've confronted people and I know we all have hundreds of times there's a tendency to always say, "Well, who are you? You're sinful. You're you're hypocrites." And I'm like, "Yeah, we're all idiots." But God chose to dwell in us through His Holy Spirit. That was His idea, not ours. That's right. But when mm-hmm. you see uh, sin in someone's life who's claiming to be have Jesus as Lord, we do confront. You know, it's different with the world. We share Jesus to the world, and his grace is the only thing that can change the heart. But it's a different conversation in the church, and we have these conversations frequently and often. And one of the life-changing moments I had was a guy, I remember when you were young in the faith, and y'all, there was a leader at the Christian school or whatever that y'all were going to go and confront. Because it was suspected that he was having an affair. And I remember you being a part of the group that went and confronted him and when you got back home, somebody asked you how it went and you said, not good. And you, you what you said was you said something about you know, be careful. I feel like the evil one is going to destroy your marriage, and I don't know if you remember what you you said that he said, but you said that he said, "Hey, don't worry about me. I'm tougher than the devil." Yeah. How long was it after that that he ran off with the woman? Two families were, and and that was a confrontation that tried to happen. But when you're right. thinking, you know, I'm tougher than the devil, you don't realize that you've succumbed to temptation and have been taken captive. That That's why this is harder to wrap your head around because it is veiled. There is a masquerade going on. There is deceit in your own heart. And that's why yeah. I'm
1: careful. You'll wind up where Judas was.
3: Well, exactly. they, you, I mean, you, you, you think about Jude, uh, there's a very sobering, uh, uh message there says, but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him or slander, but said, "The Lord rebuke you." I mean, so he, I mean, you, this is a, I think a lot of people that they don't have enough reverence. Maybe reverence is the w- wrong word. Uh, we don't. We need to fear evil and fear. I mean, like we're like any of us are capable of being taken by the devil, and to think that I mean, you have to at least respect his his power in a sense that he can come after you now you can also rest assured that if you have the holy spirit now you can say i think a proper response could have been i have the holy spirit in me and the holy spirit is greater than him now that would be a great response but to but to put yourself in a position where you think in your own mortal humanity that you're somehow going to stand up against the schemes of of the great liar i mean we we should fear his lies and we should that, that should push us into the the, under the wing of God, and to, to rest in His counsel through the revelation of the Holy Spirit in our life.
0: And, and it's that idea about godly wisdom, because, again, yeah. we know ourselves better than anybody. And so if there's are certain areas that you know you have character flaws and weaknesses in, and then Christ even has brought you out of it, you know better than to go back and somehow think that you're strong enough, as Jay said, or tough enough that then you can enter a world that you know you have no business being in. So that's how we learn. I, I think that was, Dad, the one of the biggest themes of the movie was that you, know, you knew you had to come out of a lifestyle and have a period of time where God could strengthen you. But what's interesting is, and Zach made this point earlier, sometimes your greatest weaknesses can become your greatest strengths. I think the reason Jan said, you had the potential to lead thousands to Christ was because she saw your leadership abilities even when you weren't in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And they were there and and it's all there for good if we can submit ourselves to Christ. And obviously that's what happens, you know, in Judas's case. I tell you one thing you can tell about how God feels about us and that is in this section we're going to get to in Luke 22 on the last supper. Jesus does something very interesting. It's not recorded in Luke, but it is in John. He he predicts Judas and he predicts Peter in all of the Gospels. But, but Luke's, I mean, John says he also washed their feet before he did it. He got down on his knees and he washed their feet to teach them how to serve and what kind of hearts they need to have. What's amazing is he washed Judas's feet, too. Right along with Peter's and all the rest of them. So it shows you how much God loves us in spite of the fact, even when he knows that what we're capable of doing. I mean, Jesus did that in that moment on the night of his betrayal by both of those men, but it didn't stop him from doing it. I mean, it just shows you the, the length and breadth and width of Christ's love and also his grace, which is incredible.
1: Great Great point.
2: Well, it gets back to that Romans 5, you know, when it says at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love, his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us.
0: I mean, that's powerful, right? So, the reason why I think we spend so much time talking about evil is I think you don't really understand how big the sacrifice is that we're about to read about unless you understand how bad evil is and how bad sin is I mean that's what makes the good news the good news well, um, yep,
2: and before you you read it, I mean the reason you know he brought up the Passover, you immediately think of Moses, and the reason I brought up that first Corinthians ten in verse 13 about no temptation has seized you. You know, God's faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There's always a door. But that was the closing verse to that section. And it started off doing the same thing that Jesus is doing here with the Passover, making the length length of him being the Passover lamb for the sins of the world. And specifically Israel's sins, but how that would transposed to everyone you know that that grace would be made available to everyone and the spirit be made available to everyone because in first corinthians 10 at the beginning he said i don't want you to be ignorant of the fact that our forefathers were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea I mean, he's going back to the red sea and the forefathers they were all baptized into moses in the cloud and in the sea they all ate spiritual food. They drank spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. I mean, even back then, before he became flesh, there's a reference here of God liberating his people and Christ being all along that process. Nevertheless, God wasn't pleased with them, and then he makes a profound statement. He said, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. And so just like in Luke 21, where I read when he was predicting all these fascinating things that was going to happen to the temple and their role in it, and he's telling them the story about the fig tree, and he wants them to produce fruit, and he wants to you know, stick to the plan, trust in me, because this is fixed to get crazy. But he said, watch your hearts. And that's what it comes down to. You're, you know, your heart, from a biblical standpoint, is the compass for which all things are flowing through. And the next phase, it says, watch your hearts. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. That's why I brought up in the last podcast that idolatry seems to be the root of sin, because you have an idea in your heart, you know it's evil because your conscience, so you have to justify it or rationalize it. And I think that's where the evil one comes in and the sneakiness of it all, and you figure out a way to justify it. There's something more important in your heart than the Lord God. And to go back to the teenager reference, usually it is, what their friends think about them. I mean, with all my kids, they went through that. They were, they, they were, you know, I was having a come to Jesus meeting and they're, you know, take away their phone and they're almost to the point of like, I can't live without knowing what my friends think about me or being, they feel like they're missing out there, which was kind of camouflaging whatever we were talking about, you know, about Jesus. And so then, so it's kind of like a stage thing. You set your heart on something evil, then you rationalize it through whatever is most important. And then three, verse eight says, we shouldn't commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And then one day, 23,000 of them died. So it's like the process is going. You have your heart on something evil. You rationalize it. Well, then you go ahead and do it. You start living out things that you know are wrong. In this case, sexual immorality, and they were judged because of it. And then verse 9 is kind of the next phase. We shouldn't test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. So then once you get away with in your mind, because think about all what we do when we sin. You think it's, oh, I can't do this. But then you do it. And what literally happens in the moment is not much as long as you keep it a secret You feel like you get away with it, and so then you have this phrase, testing the Lord. So then you start going to church and thinking, even though you're living this kind of what we always hear when people come down, I'm living a lie, I'm living a double life, there's a secret life to me. Well, you're testing the Lord, because then you will then act one way around Christian people. And then the last step to this, verse 10, and do not grumble as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel, which is, you really see that in your teenagers because they have a bad attitude. So usually when I would see the bad attitude, I would use this First Corinthians 10 as a stepping stone So say, we got to go back. So I already know you're testing the Lord because you're lying about everything you're doing. I know you're cutting up because your attitude stinks. There's something else more important in your life, and that happened because... In your mind, you have something that you want to do that you know is not godly. And so that's when he said in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 10, these things happen as examples and were written down as warnings on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you. What is coming to man, God is faithful. He'll provide a way out. So it's like you got to back all the way up and reach the heart in the conversation before you're trying to address the, well, why don't you just, you know, have a better attitude? It's usually a sign that they've stepped all the way down to the bottom, and that's why
0: that's happening. You also just illustrated Jace, why it's best to start in the New Testament and then go back to the Old Testament because it makes so much more sense When you see what God was doing through all, here was Paul writing to the Corinthians of all people. I mean, these are these are Gentiles. This is in Macedonia. How would any of these people ever understand that? But they understood their own lives. They understood what they were facing. So he took them all the way back to Jewish history from the very beginning and showed exactly the same things keep happening over and over and over again, because human nature doesn't change. And that's why the Passover was so important, because the idea was is that somehow there had to be sacrifice for a shortcoming. And so that was the whole process. But even, even if you're free to your points you just made, even though you're free, because the, the they got they had the blood on the door. That's right. They didn't lose their firstborn. They were they were escorted out of Egypt. They saw the miracles of God. And what they do? They grumble, they complain, they say, we want to go back, we don't have enough to eat, we don't have this, we don't have that, you know, God, you've forsaken us. They got into sexual immorality, all the things you mentioned. So it shows you that the human nature combined with the evil one's work is a powerful thing, and it's something you just can't take for granted, you know? I mean, you got to realize Christ has to help us to get to some different and better place.
2: Yeah, what's really profound about that is the evil one, you know, 1 Corinthians 2, he had earlier said that if the evil one would have understood what would happen if when Jesus died, they never would have done that. That's but right. it shows you the evil one has the same method. He tempts you, he deceives you, he takes you captive, but when all else fails, he'll kill you. Yeah. And that's why in Hebrews 2, when one of the, benefits from Jesus being resurrected is said it destroyed him who held the power of death that is the evil one and their fear of death I mean he uses that for his will because we usually think that's a good thing oh I'm scared to die I better get my life right but somewhere in there the evil one uses that to manipulate you because the exact opposite thing happened as i walked with Christ the longer i walk walked with Christ the less I'm afraid to die <laughs> You know, when at first I thought the only reason, the only way I'm going to change my life is if I'm scared to die. And I had the, I had it backwards. And I always remember when I was a junior in high school, there was a car wreck that happened right in front of the high school and three kids from school died. And look, you would have thought that it was the biggest come to Jesus meeting I have ever seen at, at a public school. Everybody's crying, everybody's praying, everybody's talking about God, everybody's going to church, and I that lasted maybe two weeks. And then it was like it never happened, yep, you know,
0: that's right. Because then you start, you know, rolling the dice again. Well, you start then
2: rationalizing, you, you start justifying, and then you're mad, then you blame God. Well, why did he even right. let this happen? I mean, what what's
0: then going it's like, on? well, let's go get drunk because you know. Because we're so, you know, we've been treated so badly by the, by that, the Almighty. Well, and
2: that just, that that reproduces itself for the rest of our life, and we just become more sneaky the older we get.
0: That's right, and and more bitter. Let me uh, let me read the first uh, section of this uh, Last Supper, because we've kind of been talking about all the setup for it, but at least that way we can get into it a little bit in our overtime. We're almost out of time. So this is Luke 22, verse 7. Then came the day of uh, unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So now we're there, the actual day, we've kind of been leading up to it. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. And this is kind of reminds me of the donkey story, you know, where Jesus kind of had things set up. He replied, verse 10, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. (laughs) Which I don't know why that always makes me laugh, but it always does. I mean, it's just Jesus says it matter of factly. like, Yeah, there's a guy who's going to be carrying a jar. I thought, I mean, how many people were carrying a jar in Jerusalem? But that's what he told him. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished, make preparations there. So Jesus already has this worked out and he's either doing it by ESP or he's doing it, you know, that he's made arrangements ahead of time. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. Verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his, and his apostles reclined at the table And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God, which is interesting. We'll talk about that. Uh, Then he says in verse 17, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you that I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And there's a whole part of the process, how many cups they drink and all that on the Passover. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way. After the supper, he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. And of course he's talking about Judas, the son of man will go, Um, as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. So we'll we'll read the rest of it when we get back into the section. I at least wanted to introduce um, into the podcast this actual picture of the supper Which really is just their their Passover meal, but as Jay said, it's very interesting because there's something very different about this Passover meal because the actual Passover lamb, who can save all mankind from sin, is present at this meal. So you know we don't from this point going forward we're not going to need any more lambs to be slaughtered because Jesus is the Passover lamb. And there are many, many texts that we'll talk about that kind of point to that. So any last comments, Chase, before we well, uh, in Exodus, head to overtime? in
2: Exodus 12, which we'll get into, is when, how this came about. And so if you read that, the next time we get up and talk, yep. you'll kind of be up to par with where we're at. Because it's yeah, a long right. chapter, and it's kind of scary, and it's uncomfortable. But it makes sense once you realize how Jesus fulfilled that for the world.
0: Yeah, and if you'll just do a, if you do a, when you do your Bible reading or study, if you'll Google Passover lamb, uh, you'll get a, or in your Bible, uh, gateway Bible or something, you'll get all the references to Christ. And there are many, many in the Bible. So we'll talk about those uh, a little bit in our overtime as well as next time on Unashamed. BlazeTV.com slash Unashamed is where our overtime segment is